Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Mary Alice and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. If you are new to Calvary, we are really glad that you're here and we want you to know that you are welcome here. If you're new, one thing that would be great to know is that you will need a worship folder and one of the hymnals in front of you to guide you in our worship service today. Another thing that would be great for you to know is that we would really be honored for the opportunity to follow up with you this week by email or phone to get to know you better. And one way that can happen is if you would be willing to fill out the visitor card in your pew and to place it in the offering plate later in the service. That's also a way that you can ask for more information about different ministries here at Calvary or to let us know how we can be praying with you in the coming week. Well, I've said this for the past two weeks, and I will say it again this morning, and that is Christ is risen. risen I know we may be thinking that Easter is over, and it's true that some of the formalities of Easter Sunday are over, but the reality is Easter is not over. Easter is not only a day, but actually a 50-day season in the church year celebrating the resurrection. And so, like I said last week, my friend Griff Martin has said, if the resurrection celebration feels over and your life seems to be the same as always, well, you aren't doing Easter right then, because Christ is still risen, and this still changes everything. At Calvary, we are in a season of discovering and sharing with one another about what it means to be Easter people. Because if you and I are seeking to live as Easter people, well, then this indeed changes everything. Friends, how does this change everything for you?
victory over his foes. And raise your glad voices, all Christians, and sing. Bring glad Easter praises to Jesus your King. We tell how the woman came early that day, and there at the tomb found the stone rolled away. Then raise your glad voices, all Christians, and sing. Bring glad Easter praises to Jesus, your King. We sing of the angel who said, do not fear. Your Savior is risen and he is not here. Then raise your glad voices, all Christians, and sing. Bring glad Easter praises to Jesus, your King. We think of the promise which Jesus did give, that he who believes in me also shall live. Then raise your glad voices, all Christians, and sing. Bring glad Easter praises to Jesus, your King. God, we confess that we struggle being an Easter people, especially when we consider the vicious cycle death and destruction in Syria. As we hear of the likelihood of neighbors being priced out of their homes to skyrocketing property taxes, and as we lament the conditions that precipitated a nine-day teacher walkout in our neighboring state. But you have called us to be an Easter people. You sent your son to illuminate the world to declare that everyone is worth your love, including the tax collector and warmonger. In that strange, certain light of your son, Jesus, may we all as Easter people see the reflection of magnificence hidden in each other and maybe even in ourselves. As we worship today, help us to be present to your Easter work. Cause us to recognize we need not die in order to experience resurrection living. As Easter people, we recognize death no longer has hold over us. We live because you love us. And because you love us, we can truly live. Be with us in this service. Amen. I know he rescued my soul. His blood, he covered my sin. I believe. Okay. 
reading from the Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out and put your hand in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that through believing you may have life in his name. A reading from the epistle of James. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. song that, uh, if this were um, Facebook, might be Throwback Sunday. Uh, this is a song that goes back to the 60s and 70s, a song that was made really popular in the Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, it's interesting that I learned this song through that very uh, medium uh, in the 70s, and uh, Guillermo learned this song in Brazil in the same kind of context, uh, albeit in Portuguese. So this is a song that we'll, we'll sing it a couple of times, and then between each of the times we sing, the part that you have in your, um, your uh, bulletin there, uh, the worship folder, then we will have a solo between those. So let's stand as we sing Nothing is Impossible. Nothing for him is too hard. Impossible things he has promised to do if we faithfully trust in his word. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Nothing is impossible when you trust in of God to thee, is there anything too hard for me?
impossible. This is his word. Receive it is written for you. Believe in his promises. God cannot fail. For what he has said he will do. When you put your trust in God, nothing is impossible when you're trusting in His Word. Hearken to the voice of God to thee. Is there anything too hard for me? Then put your trust in God alone and rest upon His Word. For everything, oh everything, yes, everything is possible. with infinite power he spoke they appear by his mouth impossible things are not knowing to him he made us rule the earth nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God Nothing is impossible when you're trusting in His Word. Hearken to the voice of God alone. Is there anything too hard for me? Then put your trust in God alone and rest upon His Word. For everything, oh everything, yes everything is possible. invite all of the children to join me in the front. Good morning. This morning we are going to learn some hand motions to go along with our story. So first we'll learn the motions and then I'm going to share our story and you can listen really carefully so that you can do the motions when you hear the words that we learned, okay? The first word we're going to learn is locked. And we're going to do this motion. Kind of bump your hands together. Locked. The second one is a phrase. It's peace be with you. And we're going to shake hands with a friend. Great. The next one is going to be touch his hands. We're talking about Jesus' hands. And we're going to touch our hand right here. Point to our hand. And then the next word, the last one, is believe. And this one has a two-part, so see if you can do it. We're going to go from here to clasping our hands together. Can you do that one? Great. Okay, I think we are ready for our story. Remember to listen for those words that we just learned and to do the motions when you hear them, okay? On the same day that three women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, went to the tomb and saw that it was empty, the other followers of Jesus were hiding in a house with the door locked. Great. They were worried about the Roman soldiers who might be searching for them. As they said, no one said a word. Jesus suddenly was standing in front of them, but no one had opened the door. It was still locked. Jesus said, 
peace be with you. And no one said a word. Was this really Jesus, or were they dreaming? Hadn't Jesus just died? How could he be alive again? Then Jesus sewed them his side and touched his hands. Yes, this had to be Jesus. Now they all began to talk and were filled with joy. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. As God sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Thomas, one of the disciples, was not there. And when Thomas returned, everyone rushed to tell him what had happened. And Thomas said to them, unless I see Jesus for myself and touch his hands, I will not believe. Great. A week later, everyone was together in the house, and Thomas was there this time. Again, Jesus stood with them, even though the door was locked. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Then he looked at Thomas and told him to put his fingers here and to touch his hands. And Jesus told him to see and touch and believe. And Thomas believed. Then Jesus asked him, do you believe because you see me? Happy and blessed are those who do not see me, but they believe. The Bible tells us this story was written in our Bible so that we can believe in Jesus even though we don't see him here on earth. Great. Y'all did a great job. Thanks for helping us share the story this morning through those hand motions. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for these children. We thank you for the stories about Jesus in our Bible. God, help us to believe and be with us when we don't. Guide us to love you more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.
My name is Eric Amuzu. I am from Ghana. I'm a graduate student studying Masters of Music in Church Music at Baylor University. After four years of hard work in college, I was confronted with a challenge of making an important decision about the trajectory of my life. On September 11, 2015, I went to see my supervisor in his office and told him, Mr. Annan, I have taken a decision to do my master's in the United States, and I want you to be one of my referees. To be frank, I was very confident that he was going to give me his support. Mr. Annan was one of the pillars of hope for me in college. He knew me so well, he could easily speak about my strengths and weaknesses. I remember the quizzical look on his face when he retorted, Eric, you are a brilliant young man. We need you here. Stay in Ghana. Continue as a teaching assistant and finish your master's. I have been in your position before. Going to the United States could take forever, and you might end up losing so much and regretting it. I gazed at him, but unconvinced, then answered, Sir, I understand you perfectly. I know that you want the best for me, but I have decided to do what I feel God has told me to do. You might be wondering if God literally came to me and told me to take that direction. I left my supervisor's office with a feeling of hope. Indeed, that decision was the beginning of a new level of faith for me in God. I had no money, nothing to start with. All I did was to search online for a master's program in the U.S., which suits my career aspirations. The options I got looked good, but the cost of attendance was so huge that even the middle class in my country cannot afford it. I was not working by then. I only taught three kids piano lessons and served as a temporary teaching assistant in college. It was a requirement for all Ghanaian nationals to serve for one year before proceeding to look for a full-time job. I had a good offer from my college then to stay as a teaching assistant. That was what my supervisor was referring to in our dialogue. Besides, I sent my application to Baylor University in faith. On the day I submitted my application, I remembered whispering to myself some words of hope in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which reads, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Although I had a good correspondence with Bela that year when I was accepted, I had to wait for two years to arrive in school to begin my studies. That long wait was full of obstacles like transcript review, getting a visa, and waiting on funding. I must admit, that there were moments that my step of faith seemed like a leap into darkness and failure. But I always encourage myself with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, which says, He makes all things beautiful in its time. Towards the end of the two-year period, God began to turn the tables. My approved paperwork came in, and within a week, I was making my way to the U.S. to start classes for the spring 2018 semester. Traveling to Bela from Africa was a trial of its own, involving multiple days of flights and a long Greyhound bus trip from Philadelphia to Waco. 
Prior to my arrival, I had been corresponding with Dr. Bradley to look for a place for me to stay. He had gotten one for me, but it was way over my budget. I just told him I couldn't afford it. The truth is, on the bus, I knew that I had no place to stay. I had this belief in me that by the time I get to school, Jesus somehow was going to solve that problem. How he was going to do it, I had no idea. When I arrived, Dr. Bradley told me that they had found a place for me. Thus, the cost was extremely low as compared to the previous one they disclosed to me that I had. And they also disclosed to me that I had a Ghanaian roommate. After dropping my luggage at the apartment and ensuring that every other thing was packed, I knelt down by my bed and praised God. At that moment, I realized that indeed, they that put their trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. The hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that night kept sounding in my head. I will admonish that we all continue to put all our hope in the resurrected Christ because he is God who makes the impossible possible, an anchor which can never fail, regardless of our storms. now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O risen Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have loved my reading group at West Avenue Elementary School over this past year. I know many of you have as well. And each time we meet, we begin our group time by sharing what we call a cookie and a cookie crumble from the past week. In other words, something great that has happened and something not so great that has happened. And after the, fir the first few weeks, the students have always come ready to share their cookies and their crumbles. It has become one of my favorite parts of our time together. Then, as we transition into our reading time, I ask them to look at the front cover of the book that we will be reading that day, or maybe to flip through the pages 
to see if they can infer what the story is going to be about. And usually two of the students are pretty accurate in their assessments because they are perceptive and they use context clues to help them make connections between what they see in the book and what they already know to be true. So usually they come up with at least some of the main themes and ideas that will be included in the story. But the third child in my group doesn't think quite like the other two. And so each week when I ask this question, he goes on these long imaginative tangents to tell me what the story is actually going to be about. For instance, if there are children playing in a park on the front cover of the book, they are definitely going to be eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> or perhaps if there is a picture of a monkey at the zoo, the book is going to be all about how it rains marshmallows every day because marshmallows are awesome. <laughs> and so I always look forward to hearing what this student is going to come up with week after week. I love that he isn't limited by what he sees in front of him. He literally does not judge a book by its cover. <laughs> he has a wild imagination. Last week he told me, Miss Mary Alice, I have 18 cookies. And he proceeded to count from 1 to 18 to tell me about the 18 greatest things that have ever happened to him. And I honestly don't know if any of them were actually true. <laughs> but I guess that's precisely the point is that he believes the impossible. And as Easter people, we are called to do the same. But this isn't what we are taught to do, is it? Most of us, like my other students, are taught to read between the lines, to look for factual evidence and context clues to help us draw logical conclusions. Which is why I don't think we can blame Thomas in today's scripture reading. Doubting Thomas, as people call him, one of our songs even called him that today, he's often given a bad rap in other sermons. We even give him this added title beside his name that the Bible actually doesn't give him. And today I'm hoping to present Thomas in another light. John 20 verse 19 is right where we left off a couple weeks ago on Easter Sunday. The disciples have discovered the empty tomb, and Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene. And that same evening, the disciples are huddled together behind locked doors. Even though they've heard the good news that Jesus is risen, they haven't seen it. And they just can't believe in something they haven't seen. It's as if they don't have the capacity to imagine any alternative to their fear. When all of a sudden, Jesus just walks right into the room, walks right past the locked doors, and he breathes peace upon them. Also, are y'all still doing your hand motions? Emily's got it. There we go. <laughs> and so it's this incredible moment in Scripture. But for some reason, we learn in verse 24 that Thomas is actually not there with them when this happens. And when I read that, I stop and ask, Why? What is the text trying to tell us? Why is it significant that Thomas isn't there? Why would Thomas be out and about if all the others are hiding in fear behind locked doors? 
And I think we have a context clue to help us answer that question, but we have to look back to John chapter 11. And John chapter 11 is one of the first interactions we have with Thomas in John's gospel. And Jesus has been predicting his death, and like we've seen throughout all the other gospels, the other disciples just don't get it. For instance, like we talked about last week, Peter rebukes Jesus when he begins to tell them that he's going to die because Peter can't imagine that such a horrible thing would be possible. And so he takes Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, don't be talking like that. And like Peter, none of the other disciples understand what Jesus is trying to tell them. None of the other disciples, that is, except Thomas. But here in our very first introduction to Thomas, we learn that what sets Thomas apart from the other disciples is that he is perceptive. He can read between the lines. He knows that when Jesus said he is returning to Judea, it means that Jesus is going to face his death. And yet it's actually Thomas who urges the other disciples to go with him. He says in verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. This is so different from how any of the other disciples are thinking and talking. And so in today's text, in chapter 20, when the disciples tell Thomas about what has happened to them, that they have seen Jesus, this is the kind of person who is responding to them, a perceptive person, a person who pays attention. He's not fearful or anxious. I tend to think his response is pretty normal. He's not asking for anything more than what the other disciples have already had the chance to experience. He says, I need to see the mark of the nails in his hands. I need to put my hand in his side. I need to see the evidence, the context clues, and what you have seen in order to believe. Which I would venture to guess is the way that most of us would respond to the situation too. And amazingly, Jesus answers his request almost verbatim. About a week later, Thomas is back with the disciples in the other room when Jesus returns to them and responds exactly to what Thomas has said to the disciples a week ago. Thomas doesn't repeat anything that he said, and yet Jesus says to him, Here, put your finger here. See my hands. Or reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. And I think it's a beautiful reminder for us that Jesus is always listening. Jesus wasn't there in that first moment when the disciples were talking to Thomas. And maybe when we don't think Jesus is there, he is. And so Thomas responds to all of this by saying these words, my Lord and my God. Now, when you and I hear those words, they may not seem that revolutionary to us. We sing these words, we speak these words all the time, don't we? But in the ancient world, they would have been incredibly subversive. The phrase Lord and God was commonly used in reference to Caesar. And so to use these same terms in reference to Jesus would have been to subvert the power of the Roman Empire which is actually why these words are one of the most powerful testimonies we see in all of Scripture. And yet, after this testimony that Thomas gives, Jesus says, You have believed because you have seen me. But 
blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. But who are those about whom Jesus is referring? He's not talking about Thomas, but he's not talking about any of the other disciples either. He's talking about the people who will come after him, the people who will hear about and read about what has happened, although they will never see it with their eyes or touch it with their hands. Which means Jesus is talking about people like you and people like me and anyone who has not seen yet is seeking to believe. Even when we don't have all the facts, even when we don't have evidence, even when it seems impossible. In the book, Through the Looking Glass, which is the sequel to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll writes about the following interaction between the Red Queen and Alice. How old are you? The Queen asked Alice. I'm seven and a half exactly, said Alice. You needn't say exactly, the Queen remarked. I can believe it without that. But now I'll give you something to believe. I'm just 101, five months and a day. I can't believe that, said Alice. Can't you, the queen said in a pitying tone. Try again. Draw a long breath and shut your eyes. Alice laughed. There's no use trying, she said. One can't possibly believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Well, I don't know if we can put a number on it or a time frame on it, but I do know that as Easter people, our faith calls us to practice believing impossible things. It is at the very core of our Easter message, this impossible reality that Christ is risen. And yet more often than not, I find myself discouraged by impossible situations that are surrounding me these days. When I think about the state of our government, of our country, the divisiveness and hatefulness that seems to have overtaken us, it seems pretty close to impossible to return to civility and kindness and love of neighbor. Or when I begin to think about the deep and lasting effects of racism in our communities, It seems impossible to even begin to make right what for hundreds of years has been so wrong. When I think about the situation in Syria that has continued to unfold over the weekend and the idea of peace in our world, it seems so far out of reach. And there are so many situations around us these days about which it seems completely impossible to imagine any alternatives. But you see, if we're not careful, you and I will find ourselves thinking about these situations exactly as we have been taught to read books as children, looking for factual evidence and context clues to help us to draw logical conclusions. 
But friends, as Easter people, we are not called to live by facts and figures and logic and reasoning. We are called to follow after a God who defied the facts and who disobeyed logic. A God whose life and death and resurrection invite all of us to believe the impossible. And so perhaps one of the questions for us to ask ourselves today is, in what impossible situations is God challenging me to believe anyway? Even when the facts that I know or the evidence that I see right in front of me seems to suggest otherwise. Over 12 years ago, Calvary embarked on what seemed like an impossible journey. A $2.1 million fixer-upper to do some much-needed renovations to our ramshackle building. The Welcome Center was added. Elevators made the church accessible to all people. Buildings were connected so that you didn't have to go outside to get from point A to point B. The parking lot was paved, and you no longer had to cross a street to walk into the doors of the church. And yet for years, continuing to pay off these renovation expenses has seemed for us impossible. But now that final payment is in sight. It is only $79,000 away from where we started. It is well within our reach at Calvary. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The reality is that we have not met our budget for the past two years. And although we reduced the 2018 budget by 15%, we are not quite where we need to be at this point of the year either. Some may think it is impossible for us to meet our budget and to pay off the remaining renovation expenses on top of that. But I do not. Because we journey with a God who invites us to believe the impossible. And so I hope you will come tonight at 6 p.m. at the Dewey Rec Center and to find out more about our campaign to journey on as Calvary. I hope you will be praying with us about how we can all give so that this significant impossibility that has been hovering over Calvary for so many years can finally become a beautiful reality for us by the end of the year. Friends, do we dare to ask God to do the impossible among us? The best picture I can offer us today of an impossible possibility happened at West Avenue Elementary School this week. You see, there was one thing I didn't mention earlier about my reading buddy. He actually can't read. He has his alphabet down pat and a handful of very, very basic words, but that's it. And part of the reason that he dreams up such imaginative alternatives to what's going on in the book is because he doesn't know how to read the title or the words on the page. But on Thursday of this week, we were reading the book From Head to Toe by Eric Carle. I was reading the book, and he was acting it out. And so, for instance, one page would say, I am a penguin, and I turn my head. Can you do it? And the next page would say, I can do it. And so he would begin to turn his head like a penguin. Or another page would say, I am a giraffe, and I bend my neck. Can you do it? And again, the next page would say, I can do it. So he would do that too. 
But after the first few pages, he caught on to the repetition, so much so that he began reading the second page for himself. And his face would light up and he would beam with confidence each time he would say those four words, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And maybe it was the ability to say aloud some of the words on the page, something he hadn't been able to do all year. Maybe it was the confidence it gave him to say and perhaps to begin to believe these words, I can do it. Or maybe the winds of the Spirit came whirling through the locked doors of West Avenue that day to inspire him to begin to believe in himself a bit more than he had before. But whatever the case, the impossible happened at West Avenue Elementary on Thursday when a little boy who hasn't been able to read all year began to exclaim in the library over and over and over again, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. You see, that's the thing about believing the impossible. It ultimately leads us to doing the impossible. As another Thomas, Thomas Merton, once said, we are called not only to believe that Christ rose from the dead, thereby proving that he was God, we are called to experience the resurrection in our own lives by entering in, into this dynamic movement by following the Christ who lives in us. And so what does it look like for us to follow the Christ who dares us to do the impossible? This is the question for us to live our lives answering as Easter people. And we can do it. We can do it. We can do it by God's grace. And so, God, I ask that you would give us the courage to believe the impossible. Whatever impossible seems to be staring us in the face today, and when we look at the evidence, when we look at the context clues, when we look at the situation around us, even if it seems dismal, I pray that you would give us the faith to believe otherwise. And that the same winds of the Spirit that flew open the locked doors of the disciples' room that day would flow open the doors of Calvary that the stores would open wide and that spirit would rush into our hearts, giving us the courage and the joy to know that by your grace, we can do it. God, thank you for being the God who journeys with us, who is always with us and who never leaves us alone. And we know that in you, nothing is impossible. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today and you've heard this good news that Jesus defeated death and was raised to new life, that we would not only have life, but have it abundantly. Maybe you've heard us talking about being Easter people and you're ready to be an Easter person too. And there's no better time to do that than today. Maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary where we seek to know and to follow Jesus together, where we seek to live as Easter people in the best ways we know how. 
We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
Gracious God, you are one of abundance, and out of your great mercy, you have given us so much. Accept these offerings, and we pray that they extend and multiply at the greater truth of your love that gives life. In your holy name we pray, amen. Like I mentioned in my sermon, it really has been a wonderful week with our friends over at West Avenue Elementary School. And if you have been there this week, whether you were chalking the sidewalk, making signs, giving a high five, or reading with a child, or providing lunch, would you raise your hand if you've been involved in any of that this past week? It's really been a beautiful group of Easter people from across Calvary, and thank you so much for your presence there. We got this awesome thank you card signed by lots of different teachers and staff members, and it's a joy to be part of what God is already doing there. Um, I wanted to make sure that people know about our ministry conference tonight at 6 o'clock at the Dewey Rec Center. You're going to hear exciting updates from our coordinating council chair, from personnel and finance teams about how we are hoping to journey on together in the days ahead. We're also going to have ice cream, which is an added bonus. And so we hope you will make plans to join us for that. And then we are looking forward to coming back next Sunday when the Intergenerational Choir will be leading us in worship. Well, please stand and join us for this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that we live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.
Go in peace. Amen.